Uh, that is from Parenthood, that film clip. And um, I'm glad we had that, actually, because after that song, I don't know if I could have talked after that kind of a... That's a great song, Steve and guys. That's just terrific. Uh, most of you know by now we are in the 10th uh, edition of our installment of Intentional Living. And uh, we are talking about intentional, about enjoying children. Um, kids, burdens or blessings... You know what I had, don't you? Some of you who know me, I tried so hard. You know, we have a whole, a whole. I don't know, it seems like our, our group of censors grows every week. I had kids, burdens, blessings, or buttheads, and they said, you can't use that. And I said, maybe you can keep it from print, but I can say it, by golly. Um, anyway, <laughs> because, and then a good friend said to me, I don't think of my kids as buttheads. And I said, have they gone through puberty yet? And he said, no. And I said, well, just wait. Okay. <laughs> um, seriously, as we talk about this, we're talking about the ABCs, or I call it the ABCs of child raising, or how to help your children become. And this is, this was very strategically worded. How to help your children become blessings, no matter what they are now. And, uh, and that was, I, I, I really labored over that. I had some different phrases that I were, that I had started to use. But I'm like, no, that, that describes it better. Because whenever you talk about, just like last week, we talked about marriage. And, and one of the things that I emphasized, and I tried to emphasize at least, was the fact that <clears throat> no matter what's happened in the past, let's begin now and, and build on that. And not uh, last week, as I said, I wasn't there to condemn or to chastise for any past mistakes of first marriage or whatever it happens to be. Um, and the same thing here, you may have blown this thing all to pieces, and it depends on your, your particular frame of reference and so forth. Um, but let's, this is not to chastise or to beat up for past stuff. This is something to build on now. It's never too late to do what's right. It's never too late to do what's right. We're in different seasons of life here. Some of us have kids that are grown. Um, some of us have grandkids. Some of us haven't had any kids yet. Some of us aren't married. And, um, and, and no matter where you are, you know, you have people in your life, no matter what season of life you're in, who have kids who you are going to be called upon at some point in time to help, whether it be just babysitting, which should be more than that, or whether it be just in counsel with a, a friend. You know, the Greeks have a proverb, we don't have therapy, we have friends. I don't necessarily agree with all that all the time, but I think that's a good... That's a good proverb in some ways because sometimes we, we will end up counseling some of our friends with kids because all of us who have had children or who have children have at one time or another had a point of frustration and said, man, what am I going to do? And you start when they're about one year old, sometimes less, and it doesn't usually get any different when they're in their 20s okay, or 30s, 30 in our case for our oldest so I want to just caution you on that. Are kids, and, and as we start, are kids to be endured or enjoyed? Unfortunately, for some people, they think it's endured, and that's not the case at all. A couple of thoughts that I just want to kind of get you into this whole thing. A couple of quotes here that I want to just draw you to, and I think this first one's a good one. Having children makes you no more a parent than having a piano makes you a pianist. Okay? Michael Levine said that. Um, and that's very true. Um, Another one, King Edward. This is really good. King Edward. The thing that impresses me the most about America is the way parents obey their children. <laughs> that, was an, 
in late 18, early 1900s when he said that, which is pretty phenomenal. Now I've got a great quote for you. All right, you ready for this one? Children today are tyrants. They contradict their parents, they gobble their food, and they tyrannize their teachers. Wow. Who said that? Somebody, Dr. Spock, maybe. Uh, you, this is the wrong crowd to say that. You're thinking of Star Trek. Uh, that's, that used to be a child-raising expert named Dr. Spock. Anyway, uh, maybe he said that, the child-raising expert. Maybe, uh, maybe someone else. You know, who said that? Are you ready for this? Let's show them. Socrates said that. 470, 399 B.C. He said that. Some things haven't changed. All right? That's, that's an amazing statement. At almost 400 years before the birth of our Lord. Um, so, let's just jump into this. And I want to show you the, what I call the ABCs of uh, child raising. And the first one is this. The first one is an A. Avoid holding them back. Got a couple of verses for you here. Let me just read them, and then we'll talk about them. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Fathers, don't... Here's what I've done here. I've used every word that this word is translated from every different translation. I've put it in here. Fathers, don't provoke, exasperate, embitter, aggravate your children. If you do, they will become discouraged and they'll quit trying. Colossians 3.21. That kind of just gives you an understanding of what that verse is talking about. Don't, Don't, you know, embitter your children. Uh, another proverb, Proverbs uh, 20, I'm, I'm saying a proverb, another Bible verse from Proverbs. Proverbs 22, 6, teach your children to choose the right path, and when they are older, they will remain appointed. Often a misunderstood verse, because some people think that verse, that proverb means that if we teach our children the right way, the right way they will become Christians. They will be just like us. And you know what? I, I, I don't want to give you false hope, because there are no formulas, there are no guarantees in life. And you need to understand that. This Proverbs often, I believe, misinterpreted because what it's telling us is point your kids in the right direction. Um, and this is one, this is the message you paraphrase. When they're old, they won't be lost. Another commentator puts it like this. He says, they have a certain bent. Get them to get, them to get into that bent. In other words, if your kid is an artist, don't try to make something else out of him. If your kid's an athlete, don't try to make him into something else. You know, what, what the point that he's making here, I think, in the book of Proverbs, uh, that Solomon in his wisdom is saying, you don't try to remake your, your child. Don't try to remake them. God made them the way they are. You try to do the best you can for them to capitalize on what their gifts, and in some cases, well, in every case, their gifts and their disabilities, because we all have them, what they are. You do the best you can with that. And you ask God for wisdom, and you ask God for strength to do the right thing. As you deal with that. So, what are some of the ways that we hold them back? In a more practical sense. Based on these verses. Um, trying making them into something that they're not. I just kind of alluded to that. We try make, making them into something they're not. I want them so much to be what I think they should be. Um, sometimes that happens when they're young. Sometimes that happens as they start getting older. And, and they start getting into athletics and things like that. And we start getting really crazy. Uh, perfectionism is another thing that we often have. Uh, sometimes our kids don't bring home the right kind of grades, and we're ready. Hey, what is the deal on this? You know, and you know, and we we got to be sensitive to that. 
In some cases, they may not have the ability. In some cases, they may have the ability, and they may not be challenged in the right way. In many cases today, we, we didn't have this when I was younger, uh, but uh, they, we now have the ability to diagnose learning disabilities and things like that to try to help them. So, so perfectionism, manip- sometimes manipulating them into doing what we think they should do, sometimes that doesn't just, <laughs> you know, sometimes that's not just when they're young, don't you? Sometimes as they grow older, some of you have been um, at times the victim of a parent who tried to manipulate you, even as an adult child. Manipulation is a horrible thing. And uh, if you got that little demon in you, you better get it cast out, all right? I mean that figuratively. Who knows? I may mean it literally. But but I, I, I certainly, that's something that we just, there's no place for that. Let God change him. Uh, one of the things that I always say in a wedding, we did a wedding yesterday in, in uh, Akron, Ohio. Uh, for some of you know Nate and Kelsey, they work with our children. They're from Nyack College and going to be back to help us this, uh, well, starting in August. And... Um, they asked, her father's a pastor, so they asked me to kind of help him double-team and do the wedding and so forth in Akron. And uh, I told them, as I like to tell all brides and grooms, whether they're first married or not, and that is this. You need to know right now, you're not going to change him, and you're not going to change her. Only God can change a heart. And that's true with a child. You're not going to change, and you can, you, know, you, can, you can beat them until they're senseless. And I don't suggest that. But you can try that. That's not going to change him. You know? And you can put him in the timeout spot for now until eternity. And you know, that's not going to change them necessarily. You can change certain things, certainly. And I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't have discipline because we should. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. But, but the point is, when it comes to the heart, only God can change your heart. That's why we begin... As early as they, when they're in the womb, I believe we begin praying for them. God, move in that child's life. And even begin, we even begin praying for, 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 for both of our kids, a, a mate, if God, if God desired them to be married. Look what we got. No, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, <laughs> we're thankful. For those of you who don't know, my son-in-law is up here in the second row. Like, and he's terrific, and we're thankful for him. And we, as we are, as we are, our daughter-in-law Dawn, who both, uh, both are just, we're very thankful for. They're not our son and daughter-in-law. They're our, they're our kids. That's how we treat them, and that's how we feel about them. But um, you can't manipulate them. You ask God to work in their hearts. Um, reliving your life through them. That's another way we sometimes hold them back. Sometimes we see this. I, I've seen this more with parents when their kids are in school particularly junior high and high school, and athletics especially. As a man, I see that a lot, and I've seen that a lot. Trying to relive your life through your kids. You know what? Encourage them, cheer them on, be the best cheerleader they got. Don't try to relive your life. Don't try to get them to capture the, the trophy that you couldn't or maybe that you did. No, don't, don't do that. I mean, you ever been, to a, ever been to a little league game? Sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's, I've been a few here, and actually it's pretty restrained compared to some that I've been at. It's just like, holy moly. I mean, you would think this was like the World Series for some of these people. Um, Just phenomenal stuff. Um, Last thing, real quick, on this whole thing of holding them back, and I see this all the time, is we substitute rules for a relationship. We have a problem, and the first thing we think, oh, I've got to get another rule. 
Listen, I, I understand we all need guidelines and we need certain expectations that we set in, in terms of external behavior and so forth. But you just don't throw a rule at it. You, you need to develop the relationship with that child, that young person, before you start laying down the law. Because so many times I've seen, well, we had this problem, we had this problem. Okay, we got we got to get another rule. Well, maybe you need to spend some time talking, figuring things out, praying, asking that you know, let's let's that young person, hey, what's the deal here? Find out what's going on. I mean, some of the things. Um, with our son particularly, I remember two or three times when he did some things that were just inappropriate. I would sit, I'd take him out for a walk and I'd say, all right, Chris, you did this, you did this. What else did you do? Just, let's just get it out. Tell me. Well, I did this too and I did this. I said, okay. I said, let me, I, I did this a few times and it was really a fun thing to do. Even when he was young, <laughs> even when he was young, I would say to him, as soon as he got to the point where he could reason, what would you do if you were me? Here I am, I'm trying to raise you in the right way, and you're throwing a curveball at me, and I don't know exactly, well, what would you do? Now, I, I got a pretty good idea what I'm going to do when I ask that question. I want you to know that, but it's kind of fun, because sometimes, well, not some, once or twice, he came across with some harsher stuff than I had planned, <laughs> you know? And uh, so it's interesting, and, and just starts developing that relationship. Between a, between a parent and a child. So um, avoid holding them back. So don't try to make them into something. Not. Don't try to be perfect. Don't try to manipulate them. Don't try to relive your life through them. Don't, don't start throwing rules instead of a relationship at them. That's the first thing. Number, number two, the, the B. Avoid, A, avoid holding them back. B, be aware of teaching moments. You probably know this, but I want to serve this, uh, say this to serve as a reminder. Look in, in this verse, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Love God, your God, with all your heart. Love Him with all that's in you. Love Him with all you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you. Get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are. Sitting at home. Walking in the street. You know? Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands. Some in the Jewish and some Jewish sects, uh, S-E-C-T-S, uh, begin begin really to do that. Tie certain commandments around their hands at, at a couple of different points in Jewish history. Tie them around your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorpost of your homes or on your refrigerators and on your city gates. Just a little updated version there. Um, what does that mean? You know, when you look at that, what is he talking about? I don't necessarily think he's saying that from the moment you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night that you're just reciting verses. I don't believe that's what he's talking about. I believe he's talking about the fact that you just live this stuff. You just live it. It's a part of who you are. It's a, it's a part of your DNA. You know, and it's just, it's how you live. And it's how you operate. It's your sense of values. It's your worldview. It's who you are. It's not just some... Always a, a concerted effort. I, I got to do this and I got to do this. It's it's living the principles and the grace of God. It becomes who we are. Let me tell you, this is the opposite of being preachy. What I call preachy. We are always preaching to your kids. You know, you're always oh, you got to do this and you got to do this. Uh, and you know, there's a time when we do need to maybe give them a little sermonette or something like that. 
But those times are, 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 are few and far between because more than that, we need to live it. There's a, there's a quote that I love. It's not in the Bible, but certainly the truth of it is represented in the Bible. And I think it's so true for, for marriages and, and, and children and so forth. It's from, look at it, St. Francis. Preach Christ at all times. When necessary, use words. That's what he's talking about. You live your life as such that it's clear what you believe and what you're about. I believe that, by the way, is a great, that's sort of one of my, one of my mission statements in life. Preach Christ at all times. When necessary, use words. Because people know where you're coming from by how you walk, how you live kind of values that you have, kind of things you like, the kind of things you don't like, the kind of comments that you make when you're unguarded. That's who you are. When you're all alone with your thoughts, that's who you are. Not just what we always try to put on for people to see. Be aware of teaching moments, and by that I'm just saying, just in the, just in the avenues of life, be careful how you live because somebody's always watching and I can tell you as a parent with grown children they're watching at times when you have no clue they're watching just don't forget that I don't say that to you to scare you I say that to you just to kind of make sure you're aware of that watching how you handle people watching how you respond to people watching what you do when you get cut off in traffic Watching what you do when you get behind somebody that's a little too slow. You know, you start laying on the horn. Start saying things maybe you shouldn't say. Whatever it, whatever it is. Watching you, how you handle people you deal with in business. It's just, it's just amazing the things that kids pick up on it. At all ages, it's just amazing. And, um, I mean, if you're, if you're not what you should be, it could be scary. It's not scary. If you're if you're if you you know intentionally set out to live a life that honors Christ, because I know you're going to fail too, and sometimes you have to acknowledge that. Hey, I just want you to know I'm not perfect, and I really screwed up here. And that's a that's a discussion you ought to have more than once, because you're going to screw up more than once, not just with them, but just in in some of the things that you deal with in life. Don't be afraid to admit that. That all comes back to this third thing, ABCs. First one, avoid holding them back. B, be aware of teaching moments. C. Consistency. I want to use that verse that I used earlier from Colossians chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 21. Fathers, don't provoke, exasperate, embitter, aggravate your children. If you do, they will become discouraged and quit trying. Then in Ephesians chapter 6. And now a word to you fathers. Don't make your children angry by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and the instruction approved by the Lord. I want to talk about discipline. I want to talk about consistency, and in that, I want to talk about three avenues of consistency. And the first one is in your discipline, which he's referring to here, because we can we can anger, we can embitter children many different ways when it comes to discipline. Um, we can we can misuse discipline. That usually happens when we get angry, and maybe you have read all the books that talk about the fact that that uh, you should never discipline your children when you're angry. Not bad advice. Because that's sometimes when things you get a little. Maybe you, if you if you believe in corporal punishment and spanking, maybe that's when you when you spank a little too hard. Or maybe if you don't believe in corporal punishment, maybe that's when you get a little over the top with their, you know, 
whatever it is that you do, whether it be uh, you know giving them the, the timeouts or whatever it happens to be. Maybe you, you know, so so don't misuse it. Um, but there's also other two other aspects of that underdisciplining, which which from my experience and what I see probably happens more than the other uh, in in this age in which we live. Underdiscipline, not having discipline. Can I just give you a little hint about enjoying your kids? If your kids aren't disciplined, it's real hard to enjoy them. It, it, it really is. And, and, and let me just say, you need to enjoy your kids. They are a blessing from God. They really are. And, and if, you, if, they, if they don't have some, certain limits to their external behavior, it's real hard because they're running all around, tearing everything up, and, you're, ah, yeah, yeah. and everything just kind of is on hold for the 16 or 15 years or whatever it is, 18 years that they're, they're at home with you. Um, so discipline's a really good thing in that regard. You can enjoy them. Now, is discipline the end all for all? For all? Of course not. Nor am I saying that. But uh, it's something we need to really think about. So that's under discipline. The other side of that is, yeah, and this doesn't happen a lot, although I've seen it, in, in mainly I've seen this in churches in my life, in the ministry, and, and that is uh, over-discipline. And that's where you just get over the top with this stuff. You know, every little, every little thing, you just, you know, every little movement, you're just on, on their case. That will embitter a kid. That will make him very angry. That will make him not want to ca- not, not care. We're just over the top on this discipline. So there's a, there's a fine balance there. Is there a formula for that fine balance? No, of course not. You need to ask God to give you strength and to give you wisdom. God knows we need wisdom when it comes to that. That's so important. So that's one area of consistency in our discipline. Another one is in our example. I mentioned this a moment ago, and I'm going to just say it again. There are three things that are very that are three things that are very important uh, that we can't escape. One is death, and one is taxes, and one is what I said earlier: the kids are watching uh, at the times that you least expect it. I've had, uh, especially my son, at times tell me now as an adult, and Stephanie from from from, from time to time too bring up things that they remember about a certain maybe conflict that we were in with, with someone else or something that I might have said in a, in a moment of anger, not necessarily at them, but about another situation, people, whatever it happens to be. Those things are very important. We've got to be careful with that. That's why it's so important that we walk in a way where our life is yielded to, to Christ because I don't have the power to pull off some kind of an act and to perform a certain way all the time. I don't have that ability. Um, neither do you. That's why it has to be genuine. It has to be authentic. And our kids can sense that. Boy, can they sense that. I'll talk more about that in just a second. In discipline, in example, and in priorities. Um, let me say something about priorities, because whenever we talk about that, we always get into, well, is it quantity time or is it quality time? And then we live in an area here where a lot of you guys and ladies, in some cases, uh, and sometimes both of you, um, have hours that are just very difficult. And people say, well, you've got to quit your job and spend it, spend it raising your kids. And I, I'm not ready to say that. I, I don't know. I mean, if, if, certainly if you feel like that's something that you should do, more power to you. But I'm not saying that you have to spend, I don't think the Bible teaches, that you have to spend a certain amount of hours with your children. I do know this, that the hours that you do spend with them need to be quality-minded hours where, you're, where, you're, where they know, where they know that they're important to you, whether it be key sporting events or, or key academic events or, or key 
performance events if they're, if they're into, into the arts or, or whatever it is. The pri- they have to understand you're a pri- they are a priority to you. And that's, that's so important. I used to tell my son all the time, I said, you know, I, I never had any problems. Stephanie was a different story. But with Christopher, a different, we had some different issues at different times. And I said, hey, I, we, I'm going to make a deal with you. And he never questioned about coming to church. And I was a pastor, and we had church in those days sometimes. You know, you probably went through this too, didn't you? A uh, couple times on Sunday and sometimes on Wednesday and so forth. And never had a problem with Christopher. Even later on in high school, we only had it a couple times a week. And never really had a problem with him, although we could have, of coming to church. And I used to have a thing. I used to always say to him, I said, hey, I'll be at your sporting events. You be at church, buddy. And he says, okay, you know. And it's so funny because he's one of the, he was one of those kids. Stephanie was the exact opposite, but he was one of those kids where when you would go to his ball games, it was like you did not exist. I mean, he, you know, he, and it wasn't until I think he was a junior in high school and he was a big basketball player. It wasn't until he was a junior in high school one time something happened that we didn't show up. And he was like, actually, we showed up, we showed up late. And I, you know, I thought, he'll never notice this. I mean, you know, as soon as the game was over, we walked out, hey, good game, but hey, where were you? Why were you late? You know, and I'm like, you know, like, didn't tell me. They notice those things, even those who try to act like they don't care. It's amazing how that works. It's a priority to them. Where were you? You were late. I'm like, holy cow, I'm just glad you noticed, you know. <laughs> so, um, priorities. They need to know that they, that you, that, excuse me, that they are very important to you and their interests. It's so funny, some of the things that you go through with those. We lived, as most of you know, we were fortunate, both of our kids, we raised our kids basically um, in Colorado. And in those days, well, even still, um, if you go to a sporting event, I mean, you're driving an hour or in some cases two hours um, to the next place, to the uh, next high school to play and so forth. And Stephanie played volleyball. And they used to, I think they used to just find some of these gyms that were almost underground to find volleyball games because it was like, where in the world? We used to go to Leadville, which is the highest incorporated city in America, and it was always just so desolate. And she always used to worry about us. She says, I, I was worried. She'd always kind of relax whenever we walked in because she says, I didn't know if you'd find the gym. And I said, you know, I said, remember that? Especially in middle school when they just tried to put you in the back 40. Um, and... Um, I used to tell her, I said, hey, darling, wherever you are, I'll find you. Don't ever worry about that. And, but it's so important, those priorities that are important to them. Now, I don't, know, I don't know what your child, your young man, or your young woman is in terms of what's important. It may, I'm fortunate in the sense that my kids were very interested in, in athletics, and I love athletics. Um, but at the same time, when they had recitals, which is not my strong suit, I'm sorry to admit that to my arts buddies here, Norby and, and, and Will. But, I mean, you know, that's recitals. Man, is that just a new way to get bored or what? I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just like, you, you know what? You, you're, there for, you're there for three stinking hours, and your kid plays for three minutes, and you're like, oh, gosh, i got to stay here for the rest of this thing. And it's like, oh, oh. So it was just, I finally had to build a church so we'd have them in the church, and I could just kind of skip in out of my office, you know. But, um. Now, that's not far from you, but I mean the recitals, that was important to them. And you just go and, you, and the dance recitals, my gosh, those things lasted at least six hours long. And, and, but, you know, it was important to them at that age. And you sit there and you just suck it up, you know. You can't take a book. I thought about that. I'll take a book and read. And Charlie was like, you're doing what? 
you know, that didn't pass muster. I mean, that didn't go anywhere. Um, but you understand the point. That whole thing of priorities, what's important to them? You find what it is, and if you, if you like it, great. If you don't, you suck it up. And you say, hey, I may not like ballet recitals, but I love them, and I'm going to be there. And it may be a sacrifice to me, but you know what? That, that child's far too important for them to not think I don't care about their stuff. That's consistency. Let me get you out of here. Three things. Avoid holding them back. Be aware of teaching moments and consistency. Take out food for thought. Let's do this and, 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 and we'll, we'll, we'll dismiss. Um, I've already said these just by way of uh, repetition. I want you to get it. Number one, pray over them. Pray over them. From the time they're little babies and you go into the room and they look so sweet and they're so cute, you pray over them. God bless them. God protect them. God, I don't know what kind of life you have ahead of them. To the point where they're teenagers and sometimes, I'll say it again, sometimes they're buttheads. Okay? They're, they're, they're people. And you pray for them. And you say, God, help them. And help me to show them that love. I'll never forget, and I've used the illustration many times, but it's an important illustration to me, and that is how many... My mother told me long after I had left home, long after I was married and had kids, when my dad used to wake up in the night and say, particularly when I was single and doing all kinds of stuff, he said, we've got to pray for Rich. We've got to pray for Rich. Don't know where I'd be today. My mom and dad hadn't woken up and prayed for me. Pray for them all the time. Don't stop. Second thing, take out food for thought. Live righteous before them. Be concerned more about how you live than all the do's and don'ts. Live holy, live righteous lives before That's what they're watching. That's what they're seeing. That's what they're going to remember when they go and get married and have their own home is what mom and dad was like at home. You know, we have this thing, and, and, and you don't hear it too much anymore, but, but we got we got a couple of preacher's kids here, Will and, and Stephanie and um, probably some others that I'm not aware of. Um, and, and one of the things that, that's always important, yeah, a couple of them back there, um, one of the things that you always hear about PKs, preacher's kids, is, ah, you know, they're preacher's kids, they're wild and crazy. Well, why is that? Well, not, not in every case, but in many cases it's because they don't see practiced at home what they see their fathers or mothers saying publicly. And one of the things that we have to be determined to do, not just as pastors, but as everyone who, who, who lays claim to the name of Christ, is that we practice how we live as much as what we say. And that, because I'll tell you, the one, there's, one, there's one truth lie detector that will pick it up every time if you don't. And that's those kids. Every time. You want to find out what people are like? Ask kids. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. And it's so funny, and with my kids, even with other people, not in every case, but with other people, I've, I, have, I, have, I learned when our kids were younger that if my kids didn't like a particular adult, I better look at that person a, a second time. Not because that they're the, the wisest people in the world, but, but kids have an ability to discern that many times. Not every time, but many times they do. So, and that's because there's just some kind of a, there's some, some kind of a thing that they have, some kind of a barometer or a thermometer. So live, live righteous before them. Third little take out food for thought. And this goes along with the second one. Be authentic. Be authentic. 
Just be who you are. If you're not perfect, you've got to admit it. You make mistakes, you tell them. You make mistakes raising your kids, you tell them. I used to... I have this problem in basketball, particularly when my kids are playing. We just do confession time and then I'll close. I have a huge problem when my kids play basketball with referees. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what it is when you put a striped shirt on a guy that he just goes brain dead, but, but they seem to. You know, it's just amazing how that works. Well, I have another problem in that I have this, this personality that open mouth and then engage brain, you know, and in that order. Okay, And sometimes there's like a five or ten second, some cases five or ten minute disconnect in that whole thing. And I remember two or three times when they called fouls on Christopher and, and they started beating up Stephanie when she was playing basketball and she was one of the tallest girls there. And they, uh, girls' basketball is the most brutal sport on the history of, I mean, they just, if they called a foul every time, the game would last for, you know, 12 hours. But, but, um, but with Christopher especially, because it was so serious, and he wanted to go to college and play basketball and so forth, so, so it was real serious, and then they would foul him out. I'd just go nuts. I'd say, hey, you idiot! You know, you get one eye, you'd be a cyclops. But anyway, um, I just had all kinds of little things. you got to think about that one. But, but, and I remember two or three times I had to, after the game, but first of all, well, no, I didn't. I was going to tell you that I apologized to the refs. I never did. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm not that righteous. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I remember more than once I had to say, Christopher, I kind of got carried away, man, and I'm sorry. I said, I just, the guy was crazy, you know, and I know you didn't foul that guy, and I know, you know, and I, you had to admit that stuff. You know, you, you, you're going to screw up. Hey, come clean. They know it. Be authentic. Now, that's not an excuse to not to try to improve, because we should. And by God's grace, we will. But there's no escape. There's no substitute for authenticity. So there you go. Pray over them. Live righteous. And be authentic. Let's pray together. Let's stand. Let's stand together and pray and be dismissed. Lord... These are, gosh, these are so important truths. This just strikes where we live. This is this the most, the most valuable thing that we are given, other than our faith, is our children. And Father, I pray that each one of us would do an examination of our own hearts and our own lives, ask the Spirit of God to work in us, ask the Spirit of God to strengthen us, Ask the Spirit of God to give us wisdom well beyond our own abilities and to give us the kind of wisdom that will raise young men and women who have a love and a heart for God and love people. Father, I pray that for each one of us. For some of us, it's going to begin by just saying, Lord, right here, right now, I need help. And I want to begin by trusting you. I want to, I want to begin getting help by getting help for myself before I even start thinking about my kids. I want to trust you here and now. While I'm standing here, Lord, I just want to say, Lord, I believe you came and you died in my place and went to the grave and rose again to give me new life. And I want to, I want to put my trust in Jesus right here and right now. And you can do that right where you're standing. You're saying, Lord, I want to, I want to trust you right here and right now. 
There are others of us, Lord, who have committed our lives to you, who are saying, Lord, I need help and I need strength and I need a renewed vigor, a renewed strength, not just today, but I'll probably need it by 6 o'clock tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would give us, give us each one of us that and that you would give us an extra awareness, sensitivity to the Spirit of God working in us to make us the men and the, and the women, the fathers and the mothers that you want us to be. Father, we thank you for that. We give you the, we just give you the praise and commit these things to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.